Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Dr. William Attaway. He's a leadership coach, a pastor, an author, and a speaker. He holds a PhD in Old Testament with an emphasis in biblical backgrounds and archaeology and speaks frequently on leadership, communication, organizational change, and building up people and teams. He has said his passion is helping leaders intentionally grow and thrive in all aspects of their life. Hello, Dr. Attaway. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Leticia. It's great to talk with you today. Well, I'm very, very excited. What a diverse and and very intriguing background you have. I love it. I love it. So so let's go, if you don't mind, back to the origin story, a little bit of uh, uh, where you were born and raised and, and your childhood and what dreams were there as you were growing up. That's a great question. I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I haven't lived there in a long time, but that is uh, that's my hometown. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting when I think back to, to how things started and where some of these threads began to, to start. I think back to when I was 15 and uh, I, one of my teachers, my high school teachers, invited me to attend my first leadership conference. I, uh, I, I didn't see myself that as a leader and he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm. And I went and I was hooked. And it started a passion in me and a lifelong journey of studying and learning from leaders about how this whole leadership thing works and how we can get better at it. That is uh, very interesting. And now now that you have, let's say, a few years on you, would you recognize what that teacher saw in you back then? Like, what were the things about you that he said, ah, so that we also, (laughs) when we see a young person, uh, we can plant the same seed? Yeah, I think it's potential. And as, as I think back, I think he saw the potential of what could be, and and he recognized that because he was looking for it. And I think that's that's a lesson for all of us, right? So often we see people for what they are or for what they do or for what they say, not for what they could be. And I think what he saw was potential. Interesting. I love that. And so and so as you were, you know, like uh, you went to the leadership conference and as you embark in your early years in terms of, of course, you, you know, you are a pastor, you're a speaker, you're an author. Like how did you as you were growing up and if you did study something in particular, can you? Well, of course, you're a Ph.D., but like what was that uh, little journey in terms of your education into what you do today? You know, it was not a straight line. And I think that's important because sometimes people get this idea that, you know, we're going to have an idea when we're 10 of what we're going to do, and we're just going to follow that for the next 60 years. That's not my story. And I, and the people that I talk to, that's not their story either. The vast majority of the time. When I went to college, I went to college as a pre-pharmacy major uh, because I had worked in a pharmacy in high school and thought this was, this is a great way to help people. I love the idea of that. 
this is a way I can do that in a tangible way. So I went as a, as a pre-pharmacy major. My first year and a half, a lot of chemistry, uh, got to organic chemistry and decided this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> so I dropped out of college, actually, at that point, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and I thought, I'm just wasting time, wasting money, spinning my wheels. So I dropped out and worked I uh, until I had clarity around that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Now, even then, when I went back to school, I had a different direction in mind than what I ultimately ended up doing. That's okay. I think we have to give ourselves permission and give ourselves grace as we're beginning to figure out what this path is going to look like, that it's not going to be a straight line. Most often, it's not just going to be up and to the right, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be some missteps. There's going to be some things. But but one of the things I've learned is that God never wastes an experience. There's no such thing as a wasted experience in your life if you approach it with a teachable spirit. If you understand that you can learn something from any experience, you can learn something from anybody, even if it's what not to do, that can be incredibly valuable. Mm, that's very, very insightful. I love what you say, Left is not a straight line. And that's why I, I really ask that question every single interview I have, because I think we have to all help each other break that expectation. And, and I see it as... Yeah. As a mother of two, you know, kids that eventually have to make this. My 11-year-old already starts thinking about, you know, when they have career day and all that. You already start seeing the pressure, like, what should I study? What should I do? And so I think it's very important that even if you make a choice that's not at the end what you end up doing, that's fine. Absolutely. I spoke at a commencement, a graduation ceremony last weekend. And I told the graduates, I said, you know, there's this expectation that you may have felt even more in recent days than you have your whole life. But really, it starts when you're five, mm-hmm. when we start asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? And we ex- that, that implies that you have an answer to that. It implies yes. that you know, and it's going to be that. Guess what? We have to give ourselves permission. And this is what I tried to communicate to them. You have to give yourself permission to try things mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to try this. We're going to see how this goes. I'm going to explore this. I'm going to investigate this. Don't expect of yourself a perfect line. Be an investigator. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm going to be passing all these to my to my son. This, this is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you get that clarity and you say, okay, this is what, did, did you have like an aha moment? I always ask about how do we tune into that clarity? How was that process for you in terms of finding what, you know, I call it the soul's purpose. I mean, like the what you're meant to do in life. How was that process for you? Boy, that was a, it was a process. And I think that's an important point. It was not a, a, an epiphany moment. It was not a, a light bulb. It was a, it was a gradual process. You know, when I, when I had dropped out of college and I worked in business and I did that for a number of years. And when I was, when I was doing that, I began to learn that the studies that I had made in leadership up to that point, even then, I felt like I had some, some, some understanding and some ability to help other leaders with this. And so with the teams that I would lead, even then as a 19, 20-year-old, the teams that I would lead, I would try to coach them and try to pour into them and help them understand and learn what I had learned. Sometimes we feel like, you know, if you're not, you're not 50, you're not able to really invest and pour in other leaders. I think if you're one step ahead of somebody, you can help them with that one step. You know, don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can. So I started then. And and that's when I began coaching leaders, even then, even that young. 
um, not really understanding what and how and all of that. I was just trying to help them learn something they didn't know that I had learned. Okay, moving from the business world into church world, and that was a whole different ballgame. When I did that, what I discovered is that while in church world, there is a dramatic need for leadership, too often we don't talk about it. It's listed in scripture as a spiritual gift. We just don't talk about it, and we certainly don't intentionally develop it. We throw people in the deep end, and if they have enough of a leadership gift that's developed outside the church, they're able to swim. Uh, But if they don't, then they sink, and we're like, oh, well, all right, let's find somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that is not a great strategy for success. So what I started to do was take what I had learned in my own studies, my own journey as a leader in the business world, and bring that into the church and say, hey, I want to help leaders grow and thrive and develop in the church. Because I think what we do matters. I think it's kind of a big deal. And so that's what I've been doing now. I made that transition into church world 25 years ago. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 25 years inside the church. Now, about five years ago, I started my own company coaching leaders outside the church in addition to that. And that's what I do as a leadership coach. But that is an outgrowth of what I did first in my own studies, then in my own journey, leading in the business, and then leading in the church and developing other leaders. All of that is a culminative process that has that has ended up with me coaching leaders now in a variety of different industries, you know, from, from government contractors and employees to, to educators, to C-suite types, to a lot of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. All of that comes from the conversations that I've had for the last 25, 30 years. Mm, that's fascinating. And, and in an ideal world, I would think, because I'm... I'm I believe that we are, of course, a big chunk of us is spiritual in nature. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yes. you know, because for whatever reason, we've forgotten as humans, like, I don't know what I read, that if we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. And a lot of people, you know, they believe more that we are human beings that mm-hmm. can have spiritual experiences. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer of the opposite. And, uh, and so in an ideal world, if we all embrace a little bit of that spirituality, that we tend to confuse with religion and with the institutions and we all that. And that's where I think a lot of the rejection comes and which I totally understand (laughs) because also, you know, but if we embrace that spirituality, then you, you know, leadership touches all aspects of us. Every aspect. Exactly. Exactly. And no matter where we are, if we are home, if we are you as a mom, you know, as a father, you Mm -hmm. have to be a leader. You have to lead the family. You have to lead the kids. You have to we we are leading all the time. That's right. Right. And so I think the work you do is, is fascinating and so important. And I know that you are a big promoter of having like a personal growth leadership plan. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think that's an, a, an aspect of uh, our own spiritual journey or leadership journey that we don't invest too much in, into having a, a plan. Well, you know, the old adage, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail. You know, and I, and I think we think about that at work. We think about that with our KPIs and our strategic plans and all of this, but we don't think about it with our own personal leadership. And then the fact of the matter is, you're not going to wake up one day and say, oh, wow, I'm a fully mature, developed leader. I don't know how that happened. I didn't mean for that to happen, but here I am. Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up that way. It's the result of a plan. And if we don't get there, it's the result of no plan. And so what I do is I try to help leaders to develop a plan that's going to get them where they want to go. Often people will have a a sense of where that is, where they want to aim for. 
then let's put together a plan to get you there. That's intentionality. And I think that's what's missing in a whole lot of people's lives. The other secret sauce of coaching beyond being intentional is accountability. And that's where I'm going to ask questions and hold you accountable to what you say you want to do. You tell me you want to accomplish this. You want to move this direction. You want to take these steps. Then when we meet, I'm going to ask you, so did you do that? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Because you wanted to do it. You set the goal. How are you doing with that? And maybe nobody else in your world will ask you that. I mean, nobody else has the, the permission or the freedom to come to you and ask those type of questions. But that's what I do. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I read, read a lot about uh, having an accountability mm-hmm. buddy or, a, yeah. of course, a coach is ideal. Uh, but somebody that kind of, you know, that's why I think people sometimes get so scared of, of saying things like being intentional about what yeah. they want, because right. then, then right. you know, you're on the hook. Somebody's right. going to hear That's you, right. you know, your spouse That's is right. going to say, you've been telling me about going to the gym and now you're not going. And That's so, right. right. So that's why people sometimes they don't. And so they, they are not going from an expansive point of view where they can share all their dreams, what they want to do, because it's like, Ooh, if I say this, <laughs> then, right. I, then I have to act. Do you think we all have like, um, a wiring or like preconception of like something that blocks us from our true potential, as you would say? Absolutely. There are things that get in our way. Most often they're between our ears. That's what gets in our way, right? <laughs> we get in our own way, but but we all have wiring. And one of, the, one of the, the keys that I think is so important for a leader is to discover your wiring, to understand how you are designed. I think you're designed and you're created on purpose. Right. So so your gifts, your passions, your talents, your skills, your personality, all these things contribute to make up your wiring. But too often we try to push those down in favor of trying to mimic somebody else. Hmm. I see this often with young leaders. You know, a young leader doesn't know what they don't know. And so they see somebody they admire and respect and they just try to pattern their life and their leadership after that person. I get that. At the beginning, you don't know what you don't know yet. You don't know how to do this yet. You don't know how to lead according to your wiring. So you're going to pick up things from other people. That makes sense. But if you stay there, if you never operate in your own wiring, if you're just trying to copy somebody else, then what's going to happen is you're going to become a very bad copy of that person. Mm. There's already one of them. Mm. We don't need two. That is. We particularly don't need a bad copy. (laughs) You need to be you. You need to operate in your wiring instead of trying to be someone else. Yeah, that's a simple concept that I think a lot of us struggle with. Like mm-hmm. we don't embrace our uniqueness enough. Yes. And yes. And, yes. And, and it's scary because it's like if if you are you and you're rejected as you, then you mm-hmm. know, you know, that's hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to copycat someone else, you can always say, oh, I was trying to be that person. And so the rejection is kind of, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) diffused a little bit. Exactly. You're really rejecting them as much as me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's (laughs) something there. So so you wrote a book about it. You call it Catalytic Mm -hmm. Leadership. So tell Mm -hmm. us about the book and what you share. You know, I think it's a it's a great title, but I want to know more about what what a catalytic leader you know, the, the title actually comes from my brief chemistry studies okay. <laughs> going to college. Yeah. When, I, when I was studying chemistry, I, I discovered what was called a catalyst or what is called a catalyst. A catalyst is something that you introduce to incite or to accelerate significant change mm-hmm. with the intention of making an impact. 
as I studied that, I thought back to my years of reading about leadership and leaders. And I thought, wow, you know, every great leader I've ever studied, that would resonate with them, right? They want to incite or accelerate significant change to make an impact. That's, that's what great leaders do. And so what, what the book is, is actually a, a summary, if you will, of 25 plus years of conversations coaching leaders and my own journey, the things that I've learned. There are threads that run through so many of these conversations as I'm coaching them and things that I've learned myself. These threads are these principles that I think are what make a leader catalytic, what, what help them to become a catalytic leader. So that's what the book is. The book is actually 12 principles, these threads that I've seen run through conversations, no matter if it's with an educator or whether it's with a C-suite type mm-hmm. or, or an entrepreneur or, or no matter who, if you work in a church or you work in business, it doesn't matter because leadership principles are transferable. They're going to look different. They're going to scale different depending on the size of the team and the organization, but the principles hold true. And so what I've tried to do in the book is capture those in such a way that no matter where you are, whether you're an emerging leader, brand new to this whole thing, or whether you've been leading for 30 or 40 years, you're going to walk away with actionable things that you can take and apply where you are. Uh, That sounds like a great read. And and I'm curious about your take. You know, we all encounter people that they are in a position of power Hmm. and, and, you know, and just by default, they say we we are leading the organization. I'm a leader just because you are the CEO or you are, you know, in a very high level position. What are the in your experience? And of course, we we have to read the book to find out all the all the good stuff there. But, you know, in general terms, what would you say makes a great leader, even somebody that doesn't have that big title, but is actually leading in what they're doing? I think it has to do with investing in people, with seeing the value in people. Uh, the, the, the person who sits in a corner office and sends out emails or missives and tells everybody what to do. Um, there may have been a day when that was leadership. I don't think so. I think that's actually something else. I would not call that leadership. Just because you have a title does not make you a leader. What makes you a leader is influence. And, and I think Maxwell, John Maxwell is perfectly on target when he says that leadership is simply influence, nothing more, nothing less. Well, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? That means that as a leader, my responsibility is to pour into, invest in the lives of the people that I lead to lift them up, to discover their dreams and their hopes and help them to achieve those things, to to equip them and empower them in such a way that they are growing intentionally. That's what I get to do as a leader. So when I'm building up people like that, when I'm pouring into and investing in them, what I've discovered and what so many of the leaders that I coach have discovered is that when you do that, those people lean in, right? They feel valued because you took the time to invest in them. They feel valued because you listen to them. You learn more about what they hope to achieve. And you said, hey, you know what? I want to help you do that. I want to help you grow in that. I think there's a fear sometimes that if we empower the people that we lead, they'll leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we equip them with new skills, that they'll leave. I think that's incredibly short-sighted because my experience has been when you do that, you, you pour into them, you empower them, they're going to lean back in. And they're going to contribute more to the organization and your team and your department than they ever have because they feel seen and they feel valued and they feel heard. That's our job as leaders. That's what we are called to do. Too often we think it's about telling people what to do, right? Getting the right things done. 
That's not leadership. Leadership is not getting the right things done. It's getting the right things done through other people, not mm. through manipulation, but through intentional investment and empowering. Mm, that's powerful. Or through fear, because I sense, you know, when you talk to people, I, I'm a talker. I don't know if I, if I, my leadership style, but I do always have like to learn about what people, you know, dream. And, you know, so in my early yes. years, and I joke around in my LinkedIn profile that, you know, I had a few bosses, you know, like would get upset because I was talking to people like just, and they would think I'm not working, but I wasn't working, but then in reality, I was learning from everybody. So I became the go-to person in my team, like when people needed to, who's working on that, who's doing that, then I, I knew where to go because I had invested in understanding what everybody did, like what they, you know, what they were good at. So who can do this? Who can improve this PowerPoint presentation? And then I knew who exactly. to go to. That's perfect. Yeah, but but it's it's one of those concepts in life that it's so simple yeah. that it's counterintuitive. And I see so many organizations still running with this culture of fear of, yeah. you know, just being at your desk, just replying the email when it's sent to you. Right. And and it's almost like sometimes I feel we are missing the mark. Like by now we should kind of already have this one. And I think the pandemic helped a little bit, would you say? Mm -hmm. That now working remotely, like some of those people that had that mentality realize like people can actually be efficient from home and they can get it done from home. But it's always kind of a a culture dominated by fear rather than by inspiring you to be your better self. Yes. Fear is a terrible motivator. Yes. Long-term. Yes. Short-term, it works. Long term, no way. And that's probably why it's overused. Would you agree that Absolutely. because short term it works, then mm-hmm. a lot of people just to get the quick results, they operate with that as the driver. That's it. But that doesn't value people. You know, and that's yes. the that's the difference. I think I think when you're using fear, it's like using guilt. You know, these are terrible, terrible motivators. They work short term, but the problem is they wear off. Yeah. <laughs> They're based on an emotion, right? Whereas valuing people is something that's ongoing. That inspires people. That fires them up. That engages them. Well, that doesn't wear off. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. And definitely it sounds like your book is a great source of keeping us reminder, reminded of how to empower others. So the other question I have for you, I always ask my guests when, because they are successful people, people that have gone through their journey and they usually talk about the highs, but I love to also talk about the lows and the the tests that life has placed in your life and then how you kind of stay connected to your true essence to kind of navigate mm-hmm. through the through those. So of course in the research I always do, I know that that you went you you had a, a situation with, with your eldest daughter, correct? That's right. And uh, well, if you can share, I know she was diagnosed with cancer. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that journey? Hopefully she's doing good now. She is doing well. Thank you. That is yeah. great. That also brings hope and faith. Indeed. So, but I cannot imagine as a father, you you get this news, which is the most, you know, dreaded, unthinkable news one can get. How yeah. your family held up to that? The journey started for us in March of 2019. She started, my older daughter, she, she was 14 at the time, started having headaches. And we thought, well, maybe she's developing migraines like I've had since I was a teenager. Maybe that's what this is. 
took her to the doctor, you know, got some medicine, came home, it didn't really do the tricks, so we went back to the doctor and, and just, you know, back and forth for a couple of weeks. And ultimately we, we, we went back and they ran a scan, an MRI scan, and found that she had a tumor on the back right side of her brain. Mm. Well, that completely knocked us for a loop. I mean, none of us saw that coming. We have no history of this, no, no, no background of that. I mean, there's no idea. And, and all of a sudden there it is. And so they rush her to the, the bigger hospital by ambulance. Uh, two days later, they do the surgery, take it out. Two days later, she's home. And that sounds like the end of the story, but that was really just the very, very beginning because then we wait, right? You wait for the biopsy results. What's this going to be? Is it, is it benign or is it not? And, and three weeks later, we meet with the oncology team and they say it's not benign. This is a, ultimately, they discovered it's a very rare form of cancer. Only about 50 teenagers a year in the world are diagnosed with it. Um, and so we started a process and a journey of treatment and radiation and the Ronald McDonald house and the whole, the whole nine yards, uh, for months to come. And during all of that season, and, and I look back on that now with, with the benefit of hindsight and I'll look back and I'll say, you know, what was that season like? And what did I learn during that season? Because I always want to learn. You can learn from any experience if you're, if you're teachable about it. And I look back at this and I say, what did that, what did that teach me? And, and you know, one of the one of the big lessons, and there are so many, but this is this is a big one, is that during that season, I was not thinking about work like I normally do. I wasn't thinking about hitting our quarterly objectives. I wasn't thinking about the goals, and I wasn't thinking about the you know getting everything done and making sure everybody's on task. And I wasn't thinking about any of that. I had to work. I had to keep doing what I do, but. I couldn't do it at that level because something else was going on. We, we tend to think of our lives like those plates that we eat on maybe at Thanksgiving that have the little partitions in them, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't yeah. want your peas to touch your corn and you don't want your corn to get in your <laughs> meat, right? I love this. Yeah, yeah. We tend to think of our lives like that. And we think that we can just wall off different parts. And what happens over here is not going to affect what happens over here. And that's a wonderful myth, but it is a myth. It's not true. The fact is, Everything in our life touches everything else. You can't wall off one section, not for long. That's a very short-term wall. It's not going to last. It's going to touch everything else. What happens at home, of course, it's going to happen. affect what happens at work. And what happens at work, of course, it's going to affect what happens with your faith and your recreation and your everything. Everything touches everything else. And I talk with leaders about this, and I say, this is, this is an important principle. You have to understand that one day somebody else is going to sit where you sit. They're going to have the title that you have. They're going to do what you do. And then what? Then what? Well, what that season did for me, the season with my daughter, what that did for me and for our family was to remember what matters most and who matters most. One day, somebody else is going to do what I do. They're going to have the titles that I have, and they're going to, they're going to have those jobs. But at the end of my life, I'm going to be with the people that matter the most. I've spent, for the last 25 years, I've spent a lot of time with people at the end of their lives by virtue of what I do. And, you know, not once have I ever heard anybody tell me, I wish I had spent more time at the office. I wish I had, had made more, you know, I wish I'd made more money. I wish I had, had accomplished more, gotten more awards or achieved more objectives. Never once heard anybody say that. You know what I hear? I hear, I, I wish I had mended this relationship. I wish I had spent more time with my kids or with my spouse. I wish I had invested more in this 
season, this part of my life, the personal relationships. That's what I hear. Those are the regrets that I hear. And, and I think we have the opportunity to learn from that. I want to avoid a ditch if I can in life. I'm not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes myself. I'd rather <laughs> learn from somebody else. What that season taught me was in a fresh way, I need to focus on my family. I need to focus on what matters most. And this is one of the, the principles in the book, actually, is choosing to be family focused. The pushback on that typically from leaders is, yeah, well, if I do that, I'm going to be living out of my car in no time. <laughs> I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. I'm not suggesting you abdicate your responsibilities. What I'm saying is that, you know, you have to choose what your main priorities are going to be. You get to decide that. And so do I. Our jobs take 40, 45, 50 hours a week. But we have 168. Yeah. What are we going to do with that? Mm, that's powerful, powerful advice. And it sounds like your daughter is a courageous teenager, and I'm glad, yes. and I hope that she, I'm happy that she's doing good. And, and you know, I, I don't know where I hear, heard that God doesn't give you trials that you cannot conquer. Indeed. So obviously, a person of great faith and spirituality like you, a pastor, that's like the ultimate test to try to, you know, get through it. And, and I'm happy that you did and that you're passing the word to all of us. So that, you know, that at the end of the day, also with the with this podcast, it's a reminder, as you said, you beautifully put it into the play, not being perfect. Like we want to create a perfect life that we are already setting for failure from the get go. Right. Because right. <laughs> you know that this cannot be always perfect, you know. And so it's kind of preparing and arming yourself with the tools to to face the to face the challenges. Yes. And that's why I always love to talk about this. So as, as I know, time is running out. I also very curious about in your studies. I never had a PhD in the Bible and then like scripture. Is there anything that as you were studying or as you really got into, into that part of the, you know, scripture mm-hmm. that wow you or surprise you? I'm sure that you were familiar mm-hmm. already with it, but like oh, wow. something that having done your PhD, you say, Oh my God, this is incredible because the Bible, it is, uh, I mean, New and Old Testament, but all of it, it's uh, incredible. You know, there there are so many of those moments for me. I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it, but really with every, every time I study and prep to teach, there's one of those moments. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis would always say that scripture is like a 70-sided jewel. And every time you look at it, the light catches it just a little bit differently. And you see something you didn't see before. And I think it's like that. You know, a few weeks ago, I was teaching on uh, Exodus. I've been teaching a series through Exodus these days. And I was teaching about in chapter 18, where where Jethro shows up, Moses' father-in-law, shows up kind of unexpectedly and offers Moses unsolicited advice. And there's really nothing like your your father-in-law coming and offering you unsolicited (laughs) advice on how to do your job, right? (laughs) So this is what happens. So current. That's why I always say the Bible is so current. You can find a a current story everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. How do you respond when somebody does that? And I love Moses' response. He listened. He listened. He was teachable. He couldn't see what he couldn't see. It's really hard to see the whole picture when you're in the frame. Mm. And that's where Moses was. He was in the weeds. And Jethro taught him something that he needed to know to become the Moses that you and I know today. I wonder, without Jethro being as honest as he was, as courageous as he was to bring that, I wonder if Moses would have burned out. 
I wonder if he would have, have not become the leader that we know. That teaches me the value of an outside perspective, the value of, of people around us having the freedom to speak into our lives, being invited to speak into our lives, to help us see what we can't see and hold us accountable to what we say we want to do and where we feel called to go. It's so important. And this is what I try to do for leaders. Mm, wow. that's uh, I love the value of an outside perspective and being teachable. I think that's my nuggets of wisdom from, from this chat that, you know, when you're in a conversation and, and you can feel it, if you become mindful about how you are, you can feel that when someone is trying to teach you something or tell you something, your ego immediately yes. triggers and exactly. blocks whatever teaching is coming your way. And so that in my own experience is what, okay, put it down, put it down. It's That's almost it. like you have, <laughs> you have to be very conscious about it, but it's True. possible. And as you say, and then you could become what you're meant to become if That's you, it. if you allow that to happen. But if you block it every time it comes your way, then it will never happen. That's it. Wow. So that's, well said. That's powerful. So as we close, I always give my guests an opportunity to share. Is there anything else exciting that you're working on? Anything you want to share with the audience? Your webpage, which is Catalytic Leadership? Mm -hmm. Catalyticleadership.net. You can go uh -huh. there and find out more about the coaching that I do, that I provide for clients. Uh, and Leticia, for your, for your listeners, I would love to offer a free copy of the book, the new book, Catalytic Leadership, that we published earlier this year. Oh, wow. That's very generous. My goal is to get this into as many hands as I can so leaders can benefit from it. I think when a, when a leader gets better, when they start to grow in this, that benefits everybody they lead. That benefits their department, their team, their organization. That benefits their mission. That benefits the bottom line because that leader got better. And I want to help leaders get better. That's my mission. So if you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com and you cover the cost of the shipping so I can get the book to you, then I'll get a copy of that book out to you for free. Awesome. That's a great and generous offer. Thank you so much. I'm sure that uh, if uh, my audience is still listening and they found this that resonated, which I cannot see why not, but uh, I'm sure they, they, like me, would be uh, excited to go and, and read it because everything you've said is really assertive and comes from a from a place you, you know of wisdom mm. and, and mm. knowledge. So I thank you so much for being on this podcast and for sharing all of this with us. It was truly an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And best of luck also to your family, to your daughter, you know, you. that she continues to shine in health. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.